Imagine a rewarding new chapter of your psychology career where every day is different, full of exciting challenges and complex cases. The Federal Bureau of Prisons provides a unique way for psychologists to use their skills to help others by providing quality mental health care to those who need it most. With specialties in trauma, drug treatment, and more, your path can take any shape you want at BOP. Learn more about psychologist opportunities at bop.careers/psychologist. If you're into designer furniture and you want the sofa that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends and all the quality, but without the designer prices. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com. Rumkey is hiring CDL drivers age 19 and up and drivers are paid based on experience. Rumkey CDL drivers earn $1,000 to $1,300 per week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in their first year. Rumkey drivers are home daily, work in a recession-resistant industry, receive great benefits and performance incentives. Start a lucrative career and apply now at rumkeycareers.com. Equal opportunity employer restrictions apply. From coast to coast, border to border, and around the world. You're going online with Bill Alexander. Laugh and learn while you listen to a brilliant display of radio. Online Online. with Bill Alexander. Hi, everyone. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander. All my friends call me Bill, and you're online with Bill Alexander on WMCK.FM at Keysport, 107.5 FM, WLDJ Newcastle, 1620 AM Huntington Community Radio, Huntington, PA, Mixtape Radio International, Steel FM, steelfm.org, WWSX Radio 99.1, Rehoboth, Delaware, Orca Radio, and orcaradio.coffeecup.com, Owensboro, Kentucky, Good Talk Radio, at www.goodtalkradio.com. Com, and also streaming online at italknet.com. Today we're going to be talking to an um, author who just wrote the book, The Fix, it, Fix Yourself Handbook. Okay, The Fix Yourself Handbook presents the process way of life, a step-by-step program that can transform your life into one of the happy, healthy, purposeful, and content Who we are is a product of the interplay between our physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual attributes. On the phone line right now, I have Faust Ruggiero. Faust, or Faust, I know I'm saying that wrong. Could you tell my audience the proper pronunciation? Hi, folks. Hi, folks. I'm Faust Ruggiero. Ruggiero, that's why. I think there's one too many G's in there. That's all. Uh, There you go. So... So how long have you been a therapist, a counselor, doing this line of work? I'm just finishing my 41st year. So, you know, four decades. uh, In the last 32, I've been in private practice. Okay. And where where is your practice located at? We're on the eastern Pennsylvania, a little town called Bangor. We're kind of near Lehigh Valley, Allentown, Bethlehem, Eastern area. Okay, and actually, I'm familiar with that way because I'm on the other side of the state. I'm in western Pennsylvania right now, so um, I've been over that way a few times, especially to uh, Lehigh, the Lehigh Valley, a couple of times when I was in college, quite a few years ago. But anyhow, <laughs> um, when you wrote the book, what gave you what what really interests you in writing this? You know, it's a program, old Bill, that I've used for. Oh, 
30 years in development, but 20 years now I've really been using it with people. I've used it with a couple thousand people, and it's a, it's a program designed to fix any problem in your life. If you use what I'm, what I'm teaching, it doesn't matter what comes up. It could be anything from a simple relationship issue to something as more complicated as the, as the virus we're going through now. It just teaches people how to become strong internally and then uh, prepares them to, uh, to deal with any, anything else that comes up in their lives. So I know there's a lot of self-help books out there doing saying that they can do the same thing. What makes your process different? You know, I'm glad you asked that. It's the kind of thing that we, uh, when we were designing the book, I wanted to do something that was different. And uh, there's a lot of fluff in self-help these, these days. A lot of, you know, everyone using the same terminology. I wanted to do something that was different. I wanted to go right to the point with things. Uh, I wanted smaller chapters, so we're not giving all that fluff. We wanted to present many problems as opposed to one or two. So there's 36 chapters, 36 different issues. And at the end of each chapter, I tell people exactly what they can do. So it's a, one of the few books, that, uh, and people are now beginning to follow this, uh, this design, but it's one of the few books where you can you know, look at the problem, get the information, and then it finally says, here, you want to fix this, do this. Because I've interviewed a lot of authors um, dealing with this topic over the last few years. And it seems to me when they write the book, they start off with great intentions, but there's so much other stuff there that you have to read it multiple times just to get anything out of it. Because it is basically the way they write it, they write it like a code, and you can't figure it out unless you've read it multiple times. So from what I'm getting from you, you get straight to the point you tell them what to do, this is how to fix the problem, and then move on, right? That's exactly how I do it. It's designed to be a book anyone can read, even the men who tend not to like self-help. <laughs> you know, uh, we designed it so that there are three or four pages. Each chapter is three or four pages. So we say, here's the problem. It might be learning to communicate better. Okay, here's all the information. Here's the stuff that gets in the way. Try not to do these things. At the end of the chapter, here's five or six points incorporate these and then you're, you're going to see that that problem starting to get better and the other thing i did is i wrote it so it can be a reference book if you say yeah i know i'm I'm, try, I'm having a problem communicating here you go right to the chapter on communication and you read three or four pages and go back and do it again so th that's what people are liking you know they can they can get to it quick they can go to what they have to do quickly and they can go back to it very quickly for a quick refresher so, okay, let me ask you, since you mentioned it, I'm having an issue, an issue communicating. That could be with a spouse. That could be with a boss. What is your solution to help me fix my communication issue? Well, we talk communication, Bill. I always talk about, uh, you know, how do I want to be talked to? And that's what I tell people to do. If you've got an issue with someone, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to ask your, you know, your permission, so to speak. Hey, I'd like to talk to you. Do you mind if we sit down and I want to go over a few things? You're going to do it alone with that person, not in front of a lot of other people. You're not going to do it with anger because that's going to just breed anger on the other side. You're going to express yourself calmly, very warmly. You're going to present facts and then give that person a chance to say what they have to say then you're just simply going to create a warm dialogue and and if we can do that you know it, it really helps because the way we approach a conversation is really the way that conversation is going to take off 
you know, we can't control what the other person does, but we can control what we do. And if we go in that with a bit of a plan, you know, let me let me know what I'm going to say. Let me look at the points I, I want to make. Uh, let me uh, pull them aside. Let me talk nicely to them, warm kind of communication. It usually works out. Again, you're going to have some people that are angry and just don't communicate well. Well, you know, you can do your best there. We can't control them. I guess we can let them read the book. <laughs> That'll help them. But other than, other than that, you, know, you might be stuck. <laughs> Um, because I find that interesting because in other books that I've read and I was a communication major in college, and again, that was a long time ago, but they talk to people about types of listening and active listening and passive listening and how you respond to somebody. Do you go into that in your book too about dealing uh, you know, with certain I don't specifics? because I don't want to confuse people. Okay. You know, I, I want to keep it right to the point. Gotcha. Here, here, here's some of the things that you might be doing wrong. This is what usually backfires. Here's what we maybe we, we might see a little bit of research, but now go and do this, which is what people. And it's also the way people are learning today. They're not going through long dialogues. You know, it's the it's the quick. Uh, I call it microwave learning. Give me the facts. I want to go right to the point because everything's going so fast. Now, so when we start getting all these all these you know these nice. Uh, mindfulness stuff and we give them acronyms and we, they forget all of it yeah but they will remember these are the instructions these are the five or six points i have to remember so i'm looking through the book right now and it says the chapter outlines and you have chapter one disengaging life's unhealthy routines and i like this only right. you can change the person you are first you need to decide who you want to be and make that first decision so how Say I want to be a person that stops obsessing, that I worry about everything that goes on in life, and that most of the stuff I worry about does not affect me in any way, shape, or form, like dealing with the pandemic this past year. Right. You know, um, again, we're going to take life off autopilot is what I call that. That's that disengaging. Here's all the things you're doing wrong. Let's just stop the train. Let's just, and that's what they do when they come into counseling. They'll, they'll present that. They'll say, oh my God, I'm accepting. I'm obsessing on, and this year it's been the pandemic. It's been the election. It's been right. one party versus the other. It's been those, and, and, it, and it's been the violence in the nation, the racial things, everything that, that's going on. You put those three things together, there was a lot to obsess with. And what, when people would come into the office, I would say, okay, let's just stop for a moment. Let's just slow it all down because it's what the first thing I teach people is you're not going to you're going to you're not going to uh, go at the pace you're going at with your mind racing and try to get through this. So okay. we're going to you know establish where you are. We're going to we're going to slow the train down a little, slow things down in your life, and we're going to start look at, helping you look at facts because normally when we obsess, it's not over the facts; it's over what we think the facts are or our right. fear about the facts. So I want to establish factual information. Now, and that's what I do. Go ahead. The other thing that I, I think is very interesting, and, and you talk about obsessing, that we have people, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, I was one of these up until the past year because I just had to stop doing it. I was stressing about events that weren't happening yet. And I was looking two days down the road going, okay, I have to do this, but if this goes wrong, what's going to happen, so on and so forth. And it was really, really cutting into who I was and not only driving me crazy, but driving the rest of my family crazy because I was so worried about 
what was going to happen three days to a week from now, and I had no control over those things. Do you deal with people on those type of situations? All the time. It's, it, it actually is one of the dominant themes when people come into counseling. And doesn't have to do with just what, you know, with the items we talked about in the past year. It's anything. Yeah. The mind has a tendency to move forward, and it, it, we create those what-if situations. And those are so dangerous because you're right, we can't control them. So what, I'm, what I teach people to do is stay in the moment. And, and you know, uh, it, it's, it's difficult initially for them, but I always tell them, the only, you know, you're breathing in the moment that you're living in. It's the, only, it's the only one you have control over. That thing you're obsessing about, you don't have control over. If you think you have to apply energy there, then good. Come up with a plan that you're going to really put together and then execute so that you can deal with what you're afraid of. But if you're just sitting and thinking about it, you're, you know, it's the hamster on the wheel thing. You just keep on going around with the same thoughts, and they get faster and they get bigger. So it's about staying in the, in the moment. It's about saying, okay, what can I do now? In, and if I'm thinking about the future, then let me get a plan. Let me get all my facts in order, and let me get a plan to deal with it. Now, another question I have for you, because I've, I work with kids on occasion in an educational setting, and I'm noticing they're coming in with all this weight on their shoulders, and I start to believe they're getting it from their parents who are having these issues of dealing with stress, and not only are they de- dealing having issues with it, they're teaching their kids how not to deal or how to deal with stress, not saying that that's a right way. Most likely, it's a wrong way. And I'm seeing these kids being overwhelmed with all these problems that they should have no dealings with whatsoever. You know, and, and I've always said that you're right on target. And this last year really just blew that up, where you could just see all of it. Uh, adults, adults were out, go back to the beginning, adults were out buying every piece of toilet paper they could find. How ridiculous. And I remember I said that when, when it started, I said, you really got to put the facts together. Toilet paper isn't going to save you. And then, then they started, they, what they do is the negative language comes out. So it might be about, um, uh, what occurred with, with all the riots. It may, right. uh, what occurred with the virus. It may the, the political thing, which was insane and still is, uh, you know, and, and, and so it's all this negative language. And I, I do a whole chapter on negative language, you know, and how you talk to yourself and you just keep on going over and over with the I can't and I hate this and all those sorts of things. And then that comes out in your behavior. And those little people are watching that. It's really our job to teach them how to get through things successfully. But what we're doing is showing them that we ourselves can't do it. And we're coming up with all the negative language to help them do the same thing. It's unfortunate. Can you turn a pessimist into an optimist? What you really do is, uh, is, is show a pessimist, and that's what I'll get them in the office, and I'll say, fine, let's start looking, at, obviously, at how you got there, and then is it working for you? Is the way you're doing it, it working for you? And they'll tell me how they got there. Usually some family thing or some experience or something they'll go back to. And then they'll tell me about how, no, it's not working for them. That's why they're in my office. And uh, I said, fine, let's start looking at some other ways to deal with those things. And again, if you get the factual language that brings people to the point, because when they come in, particularly pessimists, you, know, you, you really got to bring them to a point where they can see that something else is going to work. And you have to at least give them the um, that, that, the beginnings of that information quickly enough 
so they see, okay, there's some light at the end of the tunnel here, because then you've got to teach them how to work with it and, te- and teach them how to do it routinely. And, you know, you're, you're training, you're, you're, uh, you're trying to change a whole lot of uh, acquired behavior there. It's doable, but they have to want to. Now, with what's going on in social media with Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be, people put their best lives forwards in that. And I see a lot of people getting stressed out about it because they feel they are not living up to what their friends are living up to. Is that con- is that uh, contributing to a problem that we're having with anxiety and depression in this country? Yeah, it is. It's a huge problem. though. And, there, and there's two parts to that. First of all, probably 80% of what those people are posting is not true. Okay. So they themselves are putting something out there to make other people feel good. Uh, make uh, make them feel as though you know, their life is good, and wh- and then other people look at that and say, "Well, I have to post something," and then they post something that's probably not true. And everyone believes everyone else's life is uh, is okay or it's spectacular, and their own life is not. It's a circle and it just keeps on going. And I I tell people if you're going to post something, you know, I I have a Facebook page and I'll put an inspirational thought on there. I'll put something. Um, I'm a person of faith. I'll put something like that on there, but that's it. I don't respond to things. I, you know, I wish people happy birthdays. You know, I, I keep everything positive, and which is what I usually get back from people. You know, you, you, you keep it positive. We enjoy that. All this, you know, I, I hate my wife. I hate my husband. Uh, you know, my, my boyfriend did this. I hate. You know, that. Let's post something negative about the government or or something racial goes on there not helping anyone people are venting and they think they're getting that 15 seconds of fame but it's you know it's not going anywhere it's hurting people when when you when you talk to people that like this in your practice and in some cases you're you're, are you actually let me re-ask my question are you noticing more anxiety and depression in your practice than say you were about five or ten years ago yeah, absolutely. I'm even noticing far more medications because uh, that's what people are being sold. It's thing that if you swallow this pill, uh, everything gets better, and that's not the case. <clears throat> uh, you know, when I started practicing, thirty, you know, in private practice over thirty years ago, I probably had maybe five percent of the people come in with really severe depression or anxiety and, and and are on medication. Now they come to me and they're on medication already. Now I don't prescribe medication. I'm a psychologist. I don't do. I don't get into that part of it. But uh, people are talking themselves into this thing. And, and the real issue is we are going so fast. The society goes so fast um, that you know that people are just at a point now where the anxiety takes over. Once that hits, they, they begin to burn themselves out, and then the depression takes over. Okay. And then, and of course, now we see more substance abuse, and we see more medications more people staying at home, social anxieties way up. So, yeah, all those things. We, we have to slow this down so we can start thinking about what we're doing. So, you, in other words, we're not teaching people how to cope with their problems. We're basically saying, here, take this pill. It will make things better. And then they realize that that's not it. And they have to search out something else is going to help them get through the days, the weeks, the months, the years. And that's when they eventually come to you, correct? That's where it is. And, and, you know, the mantra, so to speak, that I give them all is, look, stop with the quick fixes. 
You know, quick fixes are like credit cards. You get everything you want up front, then you go pay for it later. Right. You know, you're going to make some changes to the causes. Let's go back and find what's causing this. When you get to that, the problem either doesn't come back or, at the very least, it's not as intense and and you have a chance to work with it. So if if we're all, and I'm not saying, I shouldn't say all, but if most are having difficulties with this, and our kids are seeing it, what do we need to do to help the kids process what they're seeing so they don't end up in the same place 20 and 30 years from now? We need to teach them to slow down, and that's exactly why I wrote the book, to slow down, let's start working with you know what's really what's hurting us. Let's get away from the quick fixes and the pills and uh, and get ourselves into a position that we start taking these things one at a time. We got to get honest with ourselves and and and, and stop, you know, believing all the myths that people are pumping into us. And and we just really got to get to one causal thing after another. Again, that's why 36 chapters. That's why I did that because there are so many things to look at. But if you take them and deal with all of them, it's really not that difficult because. What I'm teaching isn't anything new. It's everything that's been in, that is inside us. We all have the ability to do this. Right. There isn't anything in my book where someone reads it and says, "Gee, I never heard that before." I just put it into a program so that people go inside and access what they already got. The strengths are already there. We stopped using them. We stopped. We started looking at, every, at everything from outside of ourselves. That's where we get everything, instead of going inside ourselves and you know becoming strong there so that we can deal with the world. Does any of this have to do with people not taking responsibility for their own actions? Absolutely. That's where the honesty is. You know, where you, where you start looking at, uh, well, it, it, it's not taking, uh, um, not being accountable. It is it feeling entitled. Uh, it's feeling like you don't have to do the work, and why should you? Okay. And we can see that across the nation now. People are staying out of work because they can stay on uh, unemployment and those stuff. And that's okay. You might make a few extra dollars. Of course, you're putting no money into your Social Security retirement. And in the meantime, that's going to run out and you're going to be stuck. But let's not think about that now. It tends to be the way we do things now. So enjoy it now and worry about it later is what we're doing. It's, that's, that's the formula people use. I'll cross that bridge when I get there, secure in, in their mind and the knowledge that someone else will bail them out when they get there. So now we've had a couple runs through of unemployment, and we've had a couple of government checks that are going to come out. But, you know, we're, we're, we're creating trillions and trillions of dollars worth of debt. It's not going to hold up. We know that. They're printing money with nothing to back it up. And so eventually all this is going to, is going to run out, and, we're going to, and, and these people are going to be stuck. So when you read your book um... – and you go through all 36 chapters, and and when you're doing this, do you recommend that the people that read it and get through, if they feel they need it, look for help, find a therapist in their area to help them get through these troubles, and actually may use and, and use your book as some type of a guidance with that therapist? Yeah, you know, I do. I'm very careful about... Uh how I wrote that, I don't want any, again, anyone to think it's the uh, end all for their problems. I'll often say in there, and in, in when I go into those points at the end of the chapter, if you're having problems doing this, don't feel, don't be afraid 
to get some help, family member, close friend, professional counselor, whatever it is. You've got you to think of yourself as worthy of a person who, who can go out and get some help and have someone help them and, and, and you know, should, should be able to, to uh, fix those things that are, in, uh, that are problems in your life. So by all means, if a counselor is what you need, go get that person. Absolutely. Um, because I find it interesting, and I, and I think it started to go away, especially during this past year, that therapy always had a stigma to it. But with everything that's happened this year, it seems to be that more people are more open to it because we were all put in a situation that we never expected, and a lot of us were not able to deal with it because we weren't learned, we didn't learn the coping skills to move on because that just wasn't the way it was. You just kept moving forward. This is the first time in most of our lives we actually had to stop and reinvent what we were going to do next. You know, and it's very, it created a very difficult situation, but if you're willing to look at it, a very positive one, because we did have to stop. And you can't fix anything. You can't even create anything until you stop and, 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 and find that starting point. And I'm telling people, use this as a positive and don't be waiting for that so-called new normal. You create it. And that's okay. what I want people to do. Get strong. Be strong on the inside. And then go create your life, whether it's after the pandemic or even if this never occurred. You still want to be strong enough to go out there and, and, be, and be able to deal with your life and, and be more in control of what's happening in your life and in, and in your world. When with with everything that happened during the pandemic, did you start doing using uh, telemedicine when you were speaking with your patients? You know, I'm fortunate; my office is large enough okay. that people could sit far enough away from me. But I do have some people who chose not to come in. So then I did some Zoom sessions or phones or that type of thing. But I really don't. I don't prefer it. I think you get much more accomplished in an in-person situation. And the other thing that's happening we're seeing is that people are, you know, they're going online, but the, sometimes the credentials are good, sometimes they're not so good. So you're, it, it doesn't matter where you go, just make sure that you're checking the pedigree, that that person right. is really qualified to do those things. Because we have all these life coaches everywhere, and I'm not putting those folks down, but there are a lot of people who have used that as a quick way to get into a, 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 a teleconferencing way of doing things. And they don't always have the real, you know, uh, diversified backgrounds that those of us have been around a while have spent a lot of time accomplishing. And I think that's really important for people to hear because there were a lot of um, apps, I guess, or programs that were created within the last 12 months that weren't there two years ago. And again, like you said, you have to check who these individuals are you're talking to so you understand that, that they do have the training to help you make it through um, whatever issue you're dealing with. But I find it interesting that you made the comment that uh, you like working with, with them better in person um, because it gives you a different aspect. We have been so desensitized, I think, this year because of the Zoom calls and stuff like that that we don't see it as true connection as we would sitting in someone's office. I mean, I've done telemedicine calls this year for other issues and it's like i don't feel like i'm getting a real treatment unless i'm sitting in that room with that person it's like trying to do telemedicine with your dentist i don't think it's possible well you know and the other part of that is 
being a person who does the counseling, I, it's it's nothing for me to see, you know, ten people a day, you know. So I'm I, I'm there eight, nine, ten hours a day, and I and, and and people are one after the other, and I'm fine, I'm comfortable, the energy is always there. But I'll tell you, sitting in front of a computer screen, the energy is quickly zapped because you're a prisoner right there, and it's harder to continue to focus on people. So by the time you're you know three or four hours into the day that those people aren't getting the same energy they got in the beginning. It's right. just harder to sit in front of that screen, you know. Um, they're in my office or, you know, they you know, they, they, they can stand up if they want to. You know what, I'm kind of anxious. I can, you mind if I walk around? Absolutely, go ahead, do that. Um, I can see body language. Um, you know, uh, before this whole pandemic, I could, I could hug, give someone a hug or shake their hand or do whatever it may be. So there's a whole personal part of this that was supposed to be built into what we do that we're losing you know the good sign is more people are are trying to access services that's great but the quality is by no means as good even by those of us who have been around and we know you know that we've been trained well we've been doing this a long time we know that when we sit in front of a screen we are not as good as we are in our office it's just as simple as that and that's that's very interesting to hear you say because um, in other cases, when I've talked to therapists, they make it sound like it's just the same. And I agree with you. You need to have that that contact or that visual contact with someone sitting across the room with you so you know they're focused on you 110%. Because if not, you don't see what's outside of that range of that camera. And you have no idea what else is going on with that individual, but this way, if I'm in the room with you, I know you're focusing on me, and I know that you're listening to the problems that I'm dealing with and not something else. I mean, for goodness sakes, you could be paying your bills online, for all I know, because I don't know what else is on your screen, and I know you're paying attention to me. So when you wrote the book, do you do you like being an author in this, in this sense of, of writing? And I hate to use the word self-help because I think that has a negative connotation to it. But do you like uh, writing books like this that actually give guidance to people that have um, issues in their daily lives? I do because what I write is the style is called the prescriptive style. Where at the end of what, as I say at the end of the chapters, here's the the prescription for to move forward. Here are those those points, um, and, and I keep it. I always have that that uh, design in my mind where I'm going to present. This topic, I'm going to stay short with it. I'm not going to get real involved, and I'm going to go right to what I have to do with you. Okay. Uh, and, and 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 so you know, for me, that's good. Um, again, do I prefer that over counseling? No, counseling is what I've been doing for for 40 years. But you know, this this made sense to get out and put this this program into a written text so many people can see it. So, you, how long has the book been out? The book came out in December of 2019. Okay. So we're we're about 16 months out. And with everything that's happened the past year, have you noticed sales increasing on it? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like anything else with a, uh, a first-time author. Things go slow, so they get to know you, and then, uh, you know, everything's picked up. Sales have picked up. Uh, communication with me has picked up. Uh, people asking to do interviews is, has picked up. Uh, so I, I'm seeing this really now starting to to get to the point where people are accessing the book and and information from me. 
That is that is fantastic. We have to step away for a brief moment, and then we'll come back to more conversation. So let me put you back on hold. And you're listening to Online with Bill Alexander here on WMCK.FM, McKeesport, 107.5 FM, WLDJ, Newcastle. 1620 AM, Huntington in Huntington, PA. Mixtape Radio International, Steel FM at steelfm.org. WWSX Radio 99.1 FM, Radio Rehoboth. Also, Orca Radio at orcaradio.coffeecup.com, Owensburg, Kentucky. Good Talk Radio at goodtalkradio.com. And you're also listening to us on italknet.com. We're going to step away for a brief moment and then come back to more of our conversation with Faust Regario, um dealing with his book, Your Fix, The Fix Yourself Handbook, right here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. Ready to launch a new career or not sure what to do after graduation? Rumkey is hiring for CDL driving trainees. We pay you to get your CDL license while working for us. Driver trainees receive $18 an hour, great benefits, and Rumkey will pay your CDL costs. Once you're a CDL driver, you can earn $1,000 to $1,300 a week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in your first year. Apply today and launch a lucrative career at Rumkey. Apply now at RumkeyCareers.com. Equal opportunity employer. Restrictions apply. If you've ever been a renter, you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't. But did you know Zillow does rentals? It makes the search so easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find that place that's in your budget, but also isn't a shoebox. Or a place that's close to your parents, but far enough they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com and find your sweet spot. If you've been a renter, you know it's stressful to find the perfect place. But Zillow Rentals make it easy. They have filters for pretty much everything. So you can find a rental that's big enough for entertaining your friends, but small enough they won't crash all weekend. Find your sweet spot on ZillowRentals.com. Hey, what's up? Thinking about you. XOXOXO. Want to snuggle. Dot, dot, dot. JK. Hit me back. You getting these texts? Question mark. We should hang later. I miss you. Holla at your boy. Holla back. Holla back. Holla back. Are you at home? Where are you? What are you doing? OMG. You are making me mad. Are you with your ex? You better text me back. I'm waiting outside your house. Relentless, aggressive texting is like sending an angry robot to deliver your message. When does the robot become dangerous? Let us know at thatsnotcool.com. Thatsnotcool.com. Brought to you by the Ad Council. A social distancing tip. Putting distance between yourself and others is critical to slowing the spread of coronavirus. So here are ways to stay in contact without the physical contact part. Call, send a text, set up a video conference, post on social media, dedicate a song on the radio. If you have symptoms of fever, dry cough, and shortness of breath, call your health care provider before going to their office. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Hey, Sean Casey here, former WORFM DJ. And you're listening to Online with Bill Alexander. Actually, I probably should turn my mic back on. Anyway, let's go back to that again. Anyhow, um, my thought, 
as I pick up as I lost my train of thought. So after listening to the uh, two public service announcements that we heard, um, do you notice that people are having problems engaging face-to-face with people again since the past year has been such a turbulent one that we've dealt with because we were all uh, doing self-isolation, whatever it may be? Yeah, we're seeing we're seeing a bit of an increase in that. I, I think with things loosening up, people are getting back and trying to make that happen. But we're still dealing with a lot of a lot of folks who are isolating uh, socially, um, had a difficult time from the beginning, and now you know we're into what are we talking over a year later, fourteen months later, and we're seeing people that are just just lost it. You know, they're they're staying in the house. Uh, I mean, you know, we encourage them to go out, take a walk around the block, whatever, just get out of the house. And they're, they're, you know, yeah, we're seeing an increase on them not wanting to do that. And, and this, and that's messing with their psyche, right? Because they're having problems interacting because it's been so long since they've had to carry on a face-to-face conversation with somebody. Yeah. And, and it's not just face-to-face. I mean, they're having you know, they've been getting their groceries delivered. They've been shopping online. Uh, when we say, well, let you know, let's just send them out to the typical uh, uh, supermarket, if you will, to uh, to get their their food. They're saying they don't want to go in. You know, uh, so even those those interactions are, be, are are difficult. It's just you know difficult to kind of jumpstart themselves and get themselves into a position where they can be in social situations. It's not even intense conversations or face-to-face it's just get out there and be in those situations with everything that's happened this past year and i hate bringing this up but it has been so and i mean it has been very monumental monumental when it comes to our mental health do you see us changing the way we interact or do you think everything will go back to the way it was before the situation happened i don't think it'll go back again for two reasons one is that we've had so much time um, away and, and, and we, we, we're, not, we're kind of not practiced. And the other is that things are redefined and people, as we said, did go back and, and, and are, some of them are rebooting and they're going to abandon some of the old stuff and just hope they put some good stuff in there. Uh, but, you know, everything is going to be just a little bit different. We, 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 we saw a new way to live. And the nation has changed. The laws are going to change. Uh, there's a lot of things that just aren't going to be the same. So there's going to be some transitions and uh, some adapt- some adaptation that's going to be necessary. With the patients that you deal with, um, and I know it's probably been tough with them to go through this because they were dealing with multiple issues, have any of them come out and saying that this past year has been good for them because they could basically reset button and start over? Sure. And the ones that did that, there's two factors involved. One is that they were strong enough people uh, to begin with, they had some confidence, or they had their faith, or whatever it was that they were using to get them through that. Uh, and the others, and the other factor is that a lot of people, and I'm I'm one of uh, in both those categories. You know, I didn't. We, we we went out. We're social people, but we didn't have to. Uh, you know, we have a, a whatever we need at home. We just you know quickly just changed it around and said, okay, well. This is the way it's going to be. We're going to be at home. We kept the same schedules. We did all those kinds of things, and that's very important. People stayed home, and they they stopped, you know, taking care of hygiene. They they didn't eat properly. They laid around. They they, they just kind of quit for a while. 
those of us who didn't do that, we, we got into our schedule. We got up early in the morning. We, we showered. We got dressed. Uh, if, if we could go somewhere to do something, we did that, uh, or at least went outside of our homes. Uh, you know, we, we took care of business. Some people did home remodeling, whatever it may be. Those people came through it much better. It's the people who decided to, uh, to look at it and say, I hate this. I can't do this. Those folks had the problem. Which, which then proves to me that they're not resilient like most people think they are to deal with a, a situation like that. Um, because this yeah. is one thing that we could have never planned for. And as I said earlier when I talked to you about people dealing with stress in different ways, that we are one of the very few animals that actually start worrying about something happening down the road that may not be for another a week, two weeks, whatever it may be. Do you think there are people out there now anxious about the next situation where we we may have to deal with something like this again? Well, there's that, and those people are don't usually reactors to begin with. Um, you know, uh, I, what I've always taught people is, you know, you hear something, take a step back. I do a chapter called I, "Intellect Over Emotion," and I, I said it's not that you can't emote. But let's get the facts first. Let's slow down. Let's take a breath. Let's get all the facts first. Those folks can be strong. The, the ones you're talking about, they're going to react to just about anything. They're the ones that are going to follow the, the dramas as they unfold on television and get, in, get taken down the road by the media. And now we're in such a, a protective, uh, anxious state that, you know, uh, we're reacting to anything. And that's what they do. It's not just... Will there be another pandemic? Will there be something, some huge crisis? It's any crisis, and they'll focus on that. Which I, which I find to be very sad because I don't remember in any other time in our history where we've had such turbulent issues. Now, again, I'm in my mid-50s now, and whenever we dealt with some of the stuff in the 1960s, I was very young, so I can't say. But what I think is interesting is we have people now that are not willing to listen to other people. It's either my way or no way. And where do you think they're getting this, this attitude from that no one else's opinion counts other than theirs? This is, you know, I always say that it's kind of a three-headed monster we deal with. We have the government, which is, not, which is divided, and, you know, it's either one side or the other. We have the media, which used to be unbiased, which now takes one side or the other. And we have big business, which gets in the middle and profits on all this. And, and, and what we're seeing is that you're, you're going to line up on this side or you're going to line up on that side. At a time when we keep on preaching unity, we're probably more divided than we've ever been. So it, it's real hard. To, you know, you have, to, you have to be on someone's side, you think. You can't just – and even if you decide to be neutral, people are coming at you and saying, right. no, you've got to be on one side or the other. You know, I, I always said when I was young, you know, liberal meant that you were open to some things. You, you, you were open to whatever someone may present. You thought about it. Liberal today just means you're on the left. Right. <laughs> and, and we have the other side on the right. So, and, and, of course, we don't accept anyone else's uh, uh, interpretation of anything. Um, yeah, which I, th which I think is, is a sad state of things that we can't get together and just talk because it's either it's either my way or no way. And you're seeing that in families, too, where families are being torn apart because they don't know how to communicate with each other, which is probably why they need to read the chapter in your book 
so they understand that that we're all in this together in some way, shape, or form, and we have to work together to move forward. And I'm wondering if people are noticing this in their workplace too, which is also creating the anxiety and the depression because of what's going on in the workplace because people are now, are morals gone? Are, are the difference between right and wrong no longer there? How are people dealing with things that have changed? Because um, that's that's the one question I have because I have basically, I don't want to say remove myself from all situations, but I don't watch news anymore because, like you said, it's one side against the other side. But yet we have so many people that are on this, um, I call it bandwagon mentality, that I have to be on the winning side. Even if I disagree with them, I have to be on the winning side. So I will jump on the bandwagon just so I can say I'm a winner. It's like with football season for Super Bowls or whatever it is, you choose sides. That's harmless. But when it comes to politics and it comes to reality, that can be a, a dangerous situation. You know, and it's all dangerous, and the media fuels it. You're right. I don't watch the news either. People come in and say, "Did you hear this?" And I no, and uh, and they'll say, "Well, now this did you? This is horrible." And I say, "Well, why don't you slow down and wait till day two or three right. until it all kind of plays out, and then you're probably going to get all the facts." But you know, everyone wants to be first with the information. Um, again, uh, you know, the bottom line is. This back and forth, my side, your side, all this stuff, this is very profitable to big business. It's very profitable to media. It sells. It keeps people. And as long as people are divided, you can sell them because anything because their whole world is undefined. So it's very easy to sell anything because they're looking for definition. And what these people are doing is they're providing definition. Get on one side or the other, it's defined. Right. It is clear as a bell. At least it seems that way, uh, and that's why everyone falls into it. So media, depending on which media you watch, will be on one side or the other, will give you definition, but you're only going to get half the story, and you have to be able to be happy with that. So with mental health, do you see is mental health affecting the rest of our health, the way our body interacts, the way, our, uh, the way we are dealing with physical health? <laughs> You know, as you said in the beginning, the book is designed and program is designed to help people balance themselves physically, emotionally, spiritually, uh, you know, uh, uh, intellectually. We need all those things working together. And once we get our bodies, you know, not doing the right things, it's going to affect everything else. We don't sleep right. We're pumping ourselves full of accelerants uh, to keep ourselves going. We're taking all these pills to... Uh, Treat this situation and that one, which we could easily fix ourselves if we decide to do the right things. So, by all means, if we're not going to take care of our bodies, exercise, right sleep, the right food going in, and keep and t take the junk out, it's going to affect the, all, all the rest of the way we the way we're uh, living. Which I find interesting because I think people just assume that mental health is something that's oh, by the way, it's there. And they're more worried about everything else going on within them, or they're just focused on it because something is wrong. Is positive thinking a a is it a habit that we can get into? What anything is, all the changes are are really uh, 
a result of the teaching the brain, allowing the brain to learn. And anything we're going to teach the brain is always a function of repetition over time. So what it is, that's why I go back to language. People, I've seen all this positive thinking, think positive, but no, again, no one's telling us how to do that. That's why I wrote this book, is I want to tell people, okay, this is what they've been saying, do it this way. How do you get to positive thinking? Language, internal language, how you talk to yourself. Uh, you, you might say, you know, it's not like, and you're not going to lie to yourself. It's, it's not fluff you're giving yourself. They're facts. Uh, I've got a pandemic in front of me. Uh, I'm going to get all the facts. I'm going to do the best I can to get through this. I'm going to do what I have to do to take care of myself. Now, if you're speaking to yourself that way, your thinking is positive, your language is positive, and you're going to go out and try to make that happen. If you do it the other way around, then you're training your brain to be negative, and you will think in negative ways, and you'll behave that way. Is it also a good idea to get rid of people in your life that that you would classify as toxic? Absolutely. You know, for me, I have a, I always tell people I have lots of uh, acquaintances and a very select few close friends. Okay. And uh, because, you know, people who are toxic, they just zap the energy. They're, they're often dependent people who want you to do things their way, uh, that the, the thoughts and behaviors are negative. And you, after you leave them, A, you feel relieved because they're just not there anymore. And then you kind of recoup a little bit. And then you, the more you put yourself in with those people, the more you become that way. So, you know, I always tell people, if, you, if someone's worth being with, they should be a po- positive influence. If you're helping them, it doesn't, you know, and that's great if someone's, a little bit toxic, and you're helping them through that, and they're getting the message and working on themselves, great. But if they're staying the way they are, you probably need to put some distance there. Now, the other question, I and, and I've read this recently, is that uh, something I read said you need to put yourself with, with at least five positive people. And I read that going, I don't think I know five positive people to put myself You know, that's, that's another one of those things where someone comes up with it. There's absolutely no research on that. Okay. Um, there's nothing that says I have to have five. Truth of the matter is, if I've got one real positive person in my life, and then I have the rest, and I keep them as kind of acquaintances. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm cordial to them. I'm warm. We have a little, we talk a little bit. Maybe every now and then we do something, but I don't stay associated with them. And I've got that one or maybe two positive people. I'm in a good place. Okay. Because I thought that was very interesting when I read that, and I forget where I read it at, and I'm going, but wait a minute. I don't think I know that many people that are positive. And everyone's going to say that. Yeah. You know? Yes, I, I think, it, and I, and what's sad about it is, and and maybe it is the time period we're in, and maybe because it's social media and whatever it is, is that everybody is so focused on themselves that they're not focused on what is going on around them, and I think if they would open themselves up to what's going on around them, they would be much happier because now all they're doing, they're not just dealing with their own issues they're actually dealing with other people's issues and i feel that if we help somebody then that makes us feel better in the long run you know being a person who deals with people's problems all the time you know i'll get that question that doesn't seem to bother you i said well i've dealt with so many big things in other people's lives i've had something to uh to, to compare it to it's always nice to be able to help someone else see that your problems aren't that huge you know, and so you know, I've always said that. 
we, we get wrapped up in such little things and they become such huge things. You know, I just had a person who lost a son and she comes in and she says, nothing is the same. All this stuff I thought was important is not important. It took this, unfortunately, for, for her to see that this is what has changed her life. This is what's really important. Right. There's a few things, our relations, our family, our, our faith, all those. There, there's some real important things in our lives. However, we we bring in some of the, the dumbest things, the smallest things, and we elevate them to a status which is huge, and we get wrapped up in them. And of course, there's going to be no solution because it wasn't big enough to have one to begin with. Yeah, a very wise person told me years ago, um, perspective, use it or lose it. Put everything in the proper perspective, and once you do that, you're going to make it through it. And that, again, is the crux of the book. Uh, it, it's what the, it, it's creating that positive perspective. I have a, a formula, if you will, that I use in the book. It's called uh, present, understand, and fix. It's, and it's what I use in every chapter. It's what I use in my life. You present the situation... Whatever the problem is, whatever you're looking at, you present it. Just present it. Then you go into acquiring the right information. Go see what it's all about. Uh, research it if you must. When you're done, that's going to lead you right to the, to the end where you put a plan together to fix it. And if you do that everywhere in your life, present it, get all the, info, get all the facts, all the information to understand it, and then put a plan together to fix it, it's hard to miss. Which, which, again, um, to me, just looking over this and looking over your book, it, it is actually written in a way I'm not familiar with, which is so refreshing because, like you said, the chapters are only two or three pages long. You get to the issue. You get to the problem. You get to the solution. And, again, it could be considered a guidebook to life in a lot of ways. And, again, that's what I wrote it for. That's why the chapters are so small. You know, if you, if you come and bring a, a problem to me and I just keep talking about with you, with you over and over again, you're going to get to the point where you say, could you please stop and just get to the point? What am I supposed to do? And, you know, and we have therapists that, you know, that are a bit long-winded. I'm a much more dynamic in my approach. You know, I, I, I'm interactive with the people and I say, Let, let's get the information because when we do, we are going to put together a plan because you're going to move through this. You're going to have to do it, but I'm going to show you exactly what I, what you have to do. It's what I do in counseling. That's why the book is written that way. And and what's really interesting, as I said, I've I've talked to a lot of people like this before that have written, as I said, I hate to use this term, self-help books, but I've talked to them, and by the beginning of the interview, I have an idea what we're going to talk about, and by the end, I have no idea what we covered because – like you said, they're talking in circles, and mm -hmm. you never get to where you're going in it because they're trying to, I don't know how I want to say this in a way that's not offensive, but they're trying to make it sound like they, they know a lot and that, that you need to trust them in your ways. Listening to you talk, you're very down to earth, and I think if I needed to come to you for a therapy session, I could walk in and walk out and be and be totally happy that I actually got something out of it while we sat down and talked. Well, I appreciate that. You know, uh, uh, this has been my life, and I, I really dedicated to helping people. But if you're going to do it, that means you really, really have to get in and know what you're talking about. And I spent, as I said, I've been in private practice 30 years, but the first 10 
with an agency, with two or three agencies, and an inpatient program, and a prison, and uh, working with kids. So I wanted to put together a diversified background, so I had a lot to draw from. And even when it came to the book, you know, the book was written, was uh, published in 2019, but I started it in 2015. So I spent a lot of time researching what I was going to do and exactly how I wanted that to be done. And I fooled with some of those longer versions. And as I started to look at it, I said, this is, no, this is insane. I've seen those. I know what they, what they don't do. I, it, somewhere along the line, we know that self-help business has to change, and we have to get to the point where we are now really getting people where they need to go. We need to be right on target all the time. Enough fluff, enough telling people we're wonderful and patting them on the back for, for nothing. We need to help teach them how to earn what they need so they can continue to go do that. That's why I wrote the book. That's why it's designed the way it is. Have you thought about writing this or maybe um, coming, taking some of the points out of it and do it for a young teenage audience? I thought about, there's a lot of things, you know, I'm getting all these different kind of comments, you know, and, and gee, this would work at this level and work on that level. Uh, what I'm going to do, the next book um, is actually going to be Fix Yourself Handbook 2. And uh, what I want to do is I want to get people elevated in, with the first book so that they have a different uh, status, if you will, different, a new life. But you know what happens when people make changes, they tend to revert back. Right. So the second book is going to be How You Stay There. So I think that that's what has to come next. Okay. I think, again, self-help, often that people write one book and then they leave everyone hanging. And I don't want to leave people hanging. You, you get to the next uh, level, I want to teach you how to live there now. So that, that's where we're going to go next. I'm, going to, I'm just researching that design and what we're going to do now. So hopefully before the end of the year, I'll have that started. Uh, that sounds that sounds great. Now, before I let you go, because it's hard to believe we've been on the phone for almost an hour now, but um, is there anything you'd like to tell my audience? I tell, you know, people ask that, and I always like to end the same way. Don't let anyone tell you you're weak. Okay. Everything you need, everything you need is inside you. That's what I tell people. You, but you have to be willing to go get it. you got to be willing to do the work. And uh, if you follow what I'm telling you, if you really get into wanting to do the work and stay committed and follow the design and do the steps, it's going to happen. It's, it's a can't-miss uh, way of doing things because, again, it's nothing new that I put out. It's everything. I took what, what we did wrong, which is go outside of ourselves and let everybody fix us, uh, and, and brought it back in and said, look, here's all the power inside you. Go inside. Become that person you want to be. You create that person, and then you go challenge the world with someone who's strong. Well, I'd like to... I'd like to thank you for joining me this evening. I really appreciate it. And um, whenever you write the second book, I'd love to have you back on again so we can talk about it and talk about what else is going on in your, uh, in your, in your, uh, in your uh, profession and everything else that you're doing. So I really appreciate that. It's my pleasure. And if uh, anyone listening wants to know what they're buying before they buy it, my website is dedicated solely to the book. There's chapter outlines there. There's excerpts from the book. You can look at it and see um, what you might be buying. And if you like it, great. If you're not, that's up to you. But I want to keep it transparent, honest, and straight to the point. So if anyone's interested, my website's fosterjero.com. You'll find everything you need there. And I'll also put that in on my website and also in the uh, podcast description when that goes up. So. 
Faust, I really appreciate you joining me this evening. Again, great book. Glad to have you on the program and hope to have you back on real soon. It was absolutely my pleasure. I think we did a great job, and I'm the hour passed fast for me, too, so I'll look forward to talking to you again sometime. Thank you very much. You have a great night. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Faust Ruggiero here online with Bill Alexander. The book is The Fix Yourself Handbook. Again, it's something that you've probably never seen before because of the way it's been written. It's written in a way that we can all understand it, which is fantastic, and it's not long. I know I've talked to other guests in the past where it's very fluff-oriented, but this isn't. This isn't. This actually cuts to the point, gets you there, and then moves you forward. So I think you need to check it out, and uh, we'll have him back on when he starts writing the second book. Again, really appreciate that he was able to join me this evening. And thank you guys for joining me here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. This has been a Million Dollar Baby production. For more information, go to italknet.com. Rumkey is hiring CDL drivers age 19 and up, and drivers are paid based on experience. Rumkey CDL drivers earn $1,000 to $1,300 per week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in their first year. Rumkey drivers are home daily, work in a recession-resistant industry, receive great benefits and performance incentives. Start a lucrative career and apply now at rumkeycareers.com. Equal opportunity employer restrictions apply. How did we become Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts? We focus on what matters most, our patients. At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. And every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com. If you're into designer furniture and you want the sofa that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends and all the quality, but without the designer prices. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that... That's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton.